The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, the clickety-clack, can't-set-back, Tammy, the typer, Underwood. Say hi, you big beast. Hi, everybody. You know, if I didn't have somebody calling me every five minutes during the week saying, what's this number? Or, you know. I only did that twice because I got some weird shit and said, you know, you added a payee on something. Did you add a payee? Yeah, but it it wouldn't have been texted to you because I usually use my business email or my phone with these, you know, with our things. And I'm like, what is he even talking about? That was your own personal thing, by the way. Had nothing to do with the business. I had no idea. I don't know what's, what, what is on our account. Yeah, because when be you said it, I thought, hey, he maybe he got it emailed, you know, to the our old Gmail account. And then when you texted me, I'm like, oh, no, that's not, you know. <laughs> well, that, you yeah. never know. All right. Oh, God damn. There you go. You got the burpees. Oh, I don't have them. I was going to say, do you want to know Meprazole? But I don't have them. All right. So today, I'm actually super interested in this one here because this is the epitome of rich privilege. Oh, yeah. And this guy disgusts me. His family disgusts me only because of the 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 total enabling mm-hmm. of this guy to do what he did. I was going to say, we see a lot of rich privilege, not in our, not in these episodes, but in a lot of the other shit that we've seen. Right, right, Like right. the news bulletins we get and shit because we subscribe to those. But yeah, totally. Okay, anyway, sorry, get, looking at something. Yeah, um, looking at your text messages. I am I know. for this one here. Anywho, let's get on with this one here. This I want to get through this a long one, and this guy here is just disgusting. me. His name is Robert Lee Bennett, a.k.a. the Handcuff Man. Now, he's not technically a serial killer. I think he only has one death. But what he did to other people and the way his family enabled him to do it and keep going. And so keep he could have been going. a serial killer. Totally. Yeah. Okay, I get you. I get you. Which is what would be Wednesday's about. So right, right. So when this dildo, for lack of better words, when he was twenty-two months uh, old, <laughs> Robert Lee Bennett was adopted by Robert and Annabelle Maxwell Bennett of Tawanda, Pennsylvania. Bennett Senior was a successful lawyer, and Miss Bennett was a stay-at-home mom who volunteered for the Red Cross. Bennett Senior. Yeah, there was Robert Bennett Sr. They named him. They adopted him at 22 months. He got named after his adopted. Okay, because I was like, if he wasn't that, why was, yeah. Okay, now I get you. I get you. Okay. I hear you chirping, Big Bird. In 1943, Robert Sr. was appointed president of the Citizens and Northern Bank. Bennett Jr. was a Boy Scout, and his father, uh, and his father actively fundraised for the organization. Okay. So, so far, so good, right? Yeah. Okay, but we're, we're going to get to it because the only reason I even, I didn't get a chance to pre-read this one, but me and my researcher talked about it, and as she's talking, my blood was fucking boiling. Oh, yeah. And, I, and, and I, I'll tell you why before we even go on. Because of my, my financial position prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I had I still some... have the ability to afford 
very good attorneys, which I have a lot mm-hmm. that handle a lot of my contracts. I was going to say, because like you need them with your, yeah. Right. Yeah. However, if my son was to do even a one one millionth of what this piece of shit did. You'd make him suffer with a public defender? I would. And I would look at him and go, but dad, are you going to help me? No, you can rot in jail. Why? Because that's a shit-ass move. That's yeah. a fuck move. If, you're, if there's something legitimate, it's like, okay, you know what? You fucked up. Right. You know? But yeah, no. Or, or if if he didn't really do it type of a thing, yeah. if I had reason why. This just happened over and over, and he just kept getting bailed out. So let's just get into it. Yeah. If not, I'm just going to sit here and get on a soapbox and be pissed off. Bennett Jr. also had a paper route. So, you know, he's a rich kid, but he's still got a paper route, earning his own money. Boy Scout, looking good, right? Yeah. A family friend, Leon Wiselemen, blow my brains out with that one, recalled if the weather was uh, inclement, his father would drive him around in his Fleetwood Cadillac to deliver his newspapers. The family traveled a lot for vacations and holidays, and by all accounts, had a healthy, loving relationship with one another. Let me just interject something here. I grew up in Iowa, uh-huh. and I had a paper route. And in Iowa, you have inclement weather all winter long, like from Halloween to Easter. And nobody drove me around even in their Oldsmobile. <laughs> I wouldn't drive you around either. I have driven, I have ridden in your truck. I've driven your truck. Only other one besides me that's driven my fucking truck, which still just, I took a while to get but, the smell up. Uh, shut up, dickhead. <laughs> I was going to say, you got her back. The only thing you had to adjust was the seat again. That's true. You did, you, you did her good. You did her yes. good. Yes. So there was no history of neglect, physical abuse, or mental abuse, or bullying by his classmates. You know, and that's in spite of him wearing glasses and, you know, the privilege of wealth. This kid had a great fucking childhood. See, and the fact that he didn't get bullied in school, you yeah. know, probably because he was rich, but whatever. And neither one of his parents were, like, neurotic and stable, repressed, yeah. um, superstitious, or battled any form yeah, of addiction. Yeah, they weren't, like, yeah, highly religious or abusive or anything like that. Right. Uh, by all... By all accounts, this is a good fucking family. Yeah. We've had a couple like that, but not very many. So as a teen, Bennett was outgoing and involved in multiple organizations, including Glee Club. I like that. Uh, and uh, Chorus. Okay. I was in concert choir. Okay. Band. Um, he was the editor of the student newspaper and mm-hmm. active in the science club as well. And it was in Science Club where he developed a lifelong passion for botany. Oh, okay. For those of you that don't know what botany is. It's a study of plants. It's a study of plants. Because not all of our That's true. listeners have science yeah. knowledge. Well, well yeah, that. I was going to say because I don't like science, but I know, you know, usually what the studies are. You know what I like? Weird science. <laughs> the movie. I was going to say, so you can build yourself a woman? Yes. <laughs> Sick <laughs> fucker. Or a giant missile or a Godzilla. You know, something. I can see you with the, like, the robot girlfriend type thing. You know, those, like... What do you think I have in my closet? I know. Three of them. Anyway, <laughs> Bennett plays second in the science fair with his project on orchids. Oh, okay. Which I love orchids. Me too. Me um, too. Yeah, I, I Yeah, I tell people don't ever buy me a rose, you know. Orchids. Orchids. I also like carnations. I think they're beautiful. Carnations are awesome, Because, yeah. you know, they have that, yeah. 
After graduating high school, his father bought him a $167,000 home by Lake... I'm going to fuck this up. Titicaca? Wesaking. W-E-S-A-U-K-I-N-G. But that sink in there, I probably fucked it up. Anyway, this was like right after high school, by the way. Not even yeah. a college present. You know what I got after out of high school? That's a trust fund, baby, right there. I didn't get shit after high school or yeah. college. Yeah. So let's talk about college and extracurricular activities. Now, for me, it was drugs and booze and vaginas. Lots of vagina. <laughs> Why that look? Why? Because you were, what, 25 when you lost your virginity? Oh, my God. I wasn't that fucking old when I lost my virginity. No, you were, what, 19, though? No, I was, like, 17. Oh. 17, uh, almost 18. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea about girls, but that's when I learned about the freaking <laughs> women are amazing. I know we are. Not you. I meant women. You're I'm going to throw something at you. I am still a woman, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> sure you are. All right, sit back, sugar tits. Let's go on with Fuck this. Fuck off. I'm putting on my socks because it got a little too chilly. In 1968, while attending college at the University of Denver, Bennett Jr. started his extracurricular activities of picking up male prostitutes uh, with the offer to drink vodka for 50 to 100 bucks as part of a study uh, he he was conducting. The, quote, John, which I'd say that's the male you know, you're, you're a John if you're picking up on prostitutes, just saying. Yeah. Uh, was described as a dark-haired, thin, bushy-browed man who wore glasses. The vodka was spiked. The victims would find... How do you spike vodka? No, because usually you say the punch was spiked and it's spiked with liquor. But yeah, it was drugged, right? Yeah, it was drugged. That's yeah, with a roofie? With roofinol, yeah. yeah. Probably something like that. Ruhipinol. Ruhipinol. Is it Ruhipinol? Yes. Oh, okay. Rufinol is, I don't know what the fuck I it was that Rufinol. is. No, it's Ruhipinol. I thought Ruhipinol was Hebe from Dreaming. No. Because they mentioned that in the Friday, uh, the, the Freddy Krueger movies at one point. Yeah, Ruhipinol is a date rape drug. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to take that and see if I can get date raped. <laughs> you can't rape the willing, Scott. Just saying. <laughs> so the victims will find themselves waking up handcuffed and Burned on their genitals and legs. Wow. That's like Fred Jeffrey Dahmer type shit. Oh, even worse. Cigarettes were frequently extinguished using their bodies. Wow. The victims were reluctant to press charges given their profession and their sexuality. I was going to say, this yeah. This is the 60s. So if you were gay, that's, that's a felony in and of itself. Yeah, back then, yeah. But even nowadays, male prostitutes are very reluctant to... You know, report anything. Oh, I'm not, honey. Let me tell you something. I had a John the other day. He wanted to grab my ears. I'm like, bitch, I know what I'm doing, okay? I'm not a <laughs> I don't need well. your help. <laughs> I don't need your help, you fucking whore. <laughs> <laughs> Side note. Side note. All these sources refer to the victims as hustlers. <clears throat> Why males are referred to as hustlers, yet females are prostitutes, or uh, hookers. Yeah, or hookers. I call them hookers. In either case, it boils down to sexual acts for money. Mm-hmm. We have decided to call a spade a spade and have chosen to refer to them as male prostitutes. Yeah. 
We did actually. Her and I talked about this. My research. I was going to say yeah. that's how I refer to them in all my episodes because that's what they are. Macama dictator. I mean, even in fucking where uh, uh, the Philippines, they're called girly boys, but no, they're not. They're called he hung low. <laughs> he buck dog. <laughs> they're called girly boys. Him on Lao? Stop it! You love him long time? <laughs> Came up some young guy? Come from some young guy? <laughs> Hung Farlow's? Hung Farlow. <laughs> no, what is it? Who's song in Larry? I always used to say, is that? A, let's go to Hung Farlow's and somebody, my, I think it was my friend at the time goes, what? And I go, Hung Farlow. You know that place where they goes, who's song in Larry's? I go, oh yeah. Was there another one? Because there's one like right up the road from There was one in Beaverton. Oh, over okay. off of Hall. Oh, okay. Yeah, as you're coming the one way, you know. As you're no, coming, seriously. Huh? As you're coming the one way and goes into the two way right there across from TV Highway. Oh, and yeah, you yeah, get yeah. down towards uh, Cedar Hills. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha, that's gotcha. where it was. Yeah, over off Center, and yeah. Because who's song? Who's song? Larry's is here in Vancouver, but they're on the river. Yeah. No, there used like to be one House. over there in Beaverton, but it closed. It then it was a Chinese. It was an Oriental buffet, Asian buffet. Did they wait a minute? Did they open a uh, pet clinic right next door? No, they. <laughs> it was an Asian. Well, actually, it's a multicultural buffet. Yeah, sure it is. And shut up, Dick. It had American food, too. A little bit of dog, too. a little bit of cat. I hate you. But that closed down, too, with the COVID. So Because a lot of buffets had to close down. It closed down because people are getting suspicious they're missing pets. No, a lot of buffets closed down because of COVID. Sad. <laughs> Sweet Tomatoes was closed. They had to grow the big-ass ones, like huge-ass. I called it a butt-fay. Is that good? Yeah? Like that one? Okay. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> In 1969, Bennett graduated from the University of Denver with a bachelor's degree and then enrolled in the University of Virginia. It's Virginia. I knew. <laughs> Where he'd graduate with a master's in political science. In 1971, while at the University of Virginia, see, I didn't say Virginia that You time. almost did, though. Bennett was charged with indecent exposure, but the charges were expunged. Oh. Go figure, your dad's a high end yeah. attorney. In 1974, Bennett graduated with a law degree from Atlanta's Emory University and took a job working with his father at Davis, Murphy and Bennett in Pennsylvania. Okay. The, so a law office. A law office. Okay, yes. gotcha. Also in 1974, Bennett was arrested for kidnapping an undercover police officer during a sting targeting male prostitutes. He kidnapped a fucking police officer. <laughs> Talk about a bad day. Oh, you know, you're going to love this, okay? So backup officers were quickly able to uh, rescue their fellow officer. It's unclear how well the officer disguise, his disguise fooled the prostitutes since no arrests were made. But it was obviously good enough to fool Bennett. His lawyer cut a deal. Bennett pled guilty to battery and was ordered to pay, you ready for this? A whole $75 for kidnapping a fucking cop. So he got charged with battery, but he didn't get charged with kidnapping? For kidnapping a Bitch, cop! don't get me started. I don't even want to mention shit right now because I'm pissed. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Dude, I am pissed off. 
1976. I am young... pissed beyond all passivity. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you happy with yourself now? Mm-hmm. All right. Now stay over there, and I don't know what, he, what Sasquatches do, but just sit over there and, I don't know, feel leafy. In 1976, a young, unnamed New Yorker was traveling through town when he met Bennett. The two had sex in Bennett's car before Bennett drove them to his college. So Bennett's gay? Oh, yeah. Okay. He's queer. Well, I knew you were saying he was picking up on male prostitutes, but you didn't say anything. You just said he was torturing them, basically. Because we have to get into the meat and the potatoes of the story, man. Okay, I gotcha. Okay, so recap. Bennett Jr., total total pole smoker. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry, Rump Rager, is that better? Turd Burglar? That one? Yeah, maybe? Dirty Mineshaft Miner? Drilling for oil on the back door? Nothing like that? Enjoys a little dirty starfish? You hear the silence? <laughs> I just love seeing the look of disgust on your face. That's why I do it. It's I wonderful. know you do. And, I, you know, I can't help it. I try to hide it, but... You always know what I'm thinking. Everybody does. So anyway, something spooked the guy, and he stole the car. The dude that he took back to his cottage. Oh, okay. Yeah. He stole Bennett's car? Yeah. But he quickly crashed it into a tree, because oh, apparently shit. if you're gay and you you know, and you know get spooked, you crash into trees or something. I don't know. Well, he's probably thing? looking over your shoulder to make sure nobody was coming at him. That's a big dildo. That's the size of a fire hydrant. That's not going to fit. I'm out of here. That scared me, too. I'm going to tell you, man. That's way bigger than my doctor's finger. I'm out. You're bad. So bad. (laughs) So he didn't cooperate with the responding officers, by the way. One of the officers alleged that his his partner uh, highly encouraged the young man to not push for an investigation, saying, quote, nobody wanted to press charges against him because of the influence of his father. His father was gold. Bennett Sr. served on the Civil Service Board, which handled police promotions. Well, and not just that, is if the guy would have pursued it, he could have been charged for being homosexual. And a pros- probably a prostitute. Too. Yeah, that too. But yeah, you know, the guy who's got- handling your promotions, of course you don't want to bring of his son. Of course not. Yeah. Just fucking stupid. Fucking, yeah. Anyway, they were afraid any investigation could prevent future advancements in their careers. Yeah. Okay. With the strong suggestion from the police that he leave town, Bennett Jr. moved to Atlanta. In Atlanta, Bennett Jr. found a job at Kid, Pickens, and Tate. That sounds like a gay porn. Yeah, in like Georgia. Dream in the great state. In, in the ATL. In the ATL. In the summer of 1977, 19-year-old Jim Crow had hitchhiked from Atlanta. Uh, he went to Piedmont Park because that was where uh, friends had told him gay men hung out. Do you realize that Jim Crow is like a racist term? No, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, poor Jim Crow. It's a derogatory term, but yeah. Don't Jim Crow me, man. I mean, I'm not saying that wasn't his name, but the way you said I was like, Wait a minute, Jim Crow, he's, he's part of the Klan, wasn't he? Yeah, it's, but it's still a yeah. derogatory yeah. All right, sit back there, Jim Crow. I'm not done with my story. While at the park, he encountered a tall, slim man wearing glasses. The guy asked if he wanted to make some easy money, $50 for every shot he drank, yeah. all in the same research. That was his play, right? Mm-hmm. The more shots you take, the more money you make, was his quote. Uh, that potentially... Uh, 
a lot of that's potentially a lot of money to be made. Even more if he might have earned, uh, you know, kind of pimping himself out. Yeah. Once in the car, the guy gave him some liquor, and he started to feel kind of tipsy. Oh my God, I feel tipsy. Jesus Christ, my panties could fall off in any minute. I had a friend that if she even took like a fucking drink of a wine cooler, my lips are numb. I go, you're an idiot. I would go, which pair? <laughs> you're so stupid. Why? That's a legit question. She's also the one I fucking got into a fight with and nice damaged the nerve in her eye, but whatever. Talk for two seconds. I got to turn the heater down. Of course you do. Now you're hot. Right. You were cold. Now you're hot. You know what you need to do is you need to get one of them remote jobs. I'm having hot flashes because I'm having menopause, okay? Don't judge. I was going to say, I have had hot flashes, and they are not fun. You can see them on me. It's like creeps up my... Oh, I hate it. So at any hoosies, the man drove them to a trailer park where he started playing with his penis. For those of you that don't know what a penis is, <laughs> hold on. You shouldn't be listening to this podcast because you're underage. <laughs> That's okay. I zipped down my pants. This is what a penis is, boys and girls. Take it all in. Waxed. <laughs> Sensing something was wrong. God, what the fuck is wrong with me? I, you know what? Jesus. That's what it is. You need more than that. Shit. You need an exorcism. <laughs> so anyway, sensing that something was wrong, Crow tried to get out of the car. <clears throat> but was pulled back by his long, lustrous hair. Oh, okay. Yeah, long-haired man, sexy man. Hippie. He managed to unlock the car and just bolt. He's out of there, right? Feeling a sharp pain in his right shoulder as he escaped. His attacker ran after him. He fell, uh, got up screaming, threw rocks at his attacker, and managed to get away. Crow didn't report the crime at the time because he didn't want his sister to know what he'd been doing. Okay. So I get the feeling maybe he's not out of the closet or something. Yeah. It's fine. I mean. Which, you know, during that time we've seen that a lot. Right, right. The next day he went uh, to the park again because you're an idiot. When he described the man to another prostitute, Crow was informed the man was bad news and had earned the nickname the Handcuff Man. Wow. So check this out. While Bennett Jr. is a pole smoker. (laughs) You sure it wasn't Scott Jr.? (laughs) Sorry. I hate you so much. I'm just saying. That's why she got ran over by a car. When Bennett Jr. was 29, he started dating a girl named Sandra Powell. Was he bipolar? (laughs) No, and here's the thing. Um, That that, happened a lot back then. Yeah, it, Mm -hmm. it, it was basically... You see that a lot in cover marriages or people who don't even, they're not even really covering up, but they're going to act like they're straight. Right. But really, they want to suck a dick. I was going to say, back then that happened a lot because everybody was thought that everybody had to be married. A woman was meant to get married. She, you know, have babies, blah, blah, blah. And men to be more, let's see, what's the word I'm looking masculine. for? Masculine. Well, not just masculine, and- but like higher up society. You right. needed to you're, have you're a provider. wife. Yeah, you're the provider. Yeah, you needed to have a wife to take to the events and all that other shit, you know, especially a lawyer or a banker or whatever. They expected well, to have a wife. The good thing way back then is at least women had a place and had a, had jobs that we can give them to do instead of trying to do manly shit now because we know that they can't. So get back in the kitchen quit your bitching. 
No, no. <laughs> well, our I'm mutual friend told girls. me that his new trainee is a 70-some-year-old woman. Get the and fuck I go, out. no, she's like 73-year-old woman. And I said, are you afraid she's going to have a heart attack? He goes, oh, no. She, like, it, you know, still I living life right now. I have to send right him a now. message of why he hasn't introduced me to her. Yeah, he said she's like a 73-year-old woman. That's hot. I'm surprised you didn't know that. No, I haven't seen him in the last couple of days. Oh, yeah, because you had your overnight. And, my overnight and just conflicting schedules yeah. and shit like that. Yeah, because usually you'll, he says he only sees you like sometimes at the beginning of the week. Right, yeah. right, right. Because, you know, I work a couple of hours. Yeah. Anywho's, married uh, Sandra Powell, and she was a secretary at the law firm where he worked, which, you know, that's a perfect cover right there, you know? Yeah. And if you can wrangle that one in, yeah. He proposed to her in 1978. This was solely a marriage of convenience. Bennett told her uh, he was impotent. Impotent. Yeah, impotent. I guess that's a good excuse. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Since they enjoyed each other's company, yeah, she agreed. Which, okay, no, I can totally understand that. Well, and not just that, you know, it's like that doesn't mean you can't, you know, be loved. Right, right. And, you know, honestly, like, I'm going to put another one of my friends that you've met into the same category. Like, let's say that uh, that I was impotent or or she was either my friend Jenny from Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, her and I enjoy each other's company. We, we love talking to each other. I would, you know, marry her with the express agreement that, hey, yeah, we're married. But, you know, it's because we, we like being around each other. Oh, yeah. And, well, you know, me and my best friend say that if anything yeah. happened to her husband, her and I would get married because, A, we can make each other's medical decisions, and, B, it's because we enjoy each other's company. And when you guys do, you know what I want to see. We're not going to do it, dude. No, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Confusing for the listeners, but her and I understand. Anyway. Yeah. So the marriage uh, did enable Powell to live beyond her uh, her means of, of her salary. It also provided... Uh, her salary could provide solo. Okay, by itself, that's what it means. <laughs> this was not her primary motivation. Would During, have been mine. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> During the marriage, Bennett uh, quit the law firm and got a job as a jewelry salesman at Davidson's department store in the Columbia Mall. Uh, quit her career, quit the career change, uh, quite the career change. Uh, did he need more flexible hours in order to pursue his... Um, other interests? <laughs> okay. When he stopped working completely, uh, then he quit working completely. He just, I'm done. I was going to say, I'm surprised he worked at all as fucking entitled as he was. So, by this time, his father had died, and it, he had inherited uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. That makes sense now. And the family mansion. Oh. There was no financial need for him to work. Did he have any brothers and sisters or no? No, that's just okay. him. Okay. I was just checking. It's just him. One lone pole smoker alone in the world, burning people and handcuffing him up. That's just wrong. Not and, you being wrong, but him. And I, I'm just joking using this third pole smoker. I got a lot he's of He's just friends. doing it because he's seeing my face and it's pleasing yeah. him to no end. I, I don't care what anybody's sexuality is, seriously. As long as you're not hurting kids or raping anybody, I don't give two shits. Yeah, I always say as long as you're not hurting anybody, who cares? Yeah. And that, that's what I always say. And this, you know, I, I know our Christian listeners are going to be, what a fucking asshole. 
But honestly, if you're a guy and you want to blow another dude, that's your fucking business. Yeah. If you're a chick and you want to be with a chick, that's your business. It's none of mine. It doesn't affect me. And you know what? Those Christians out there that are saying something, it's like, you know what? That's between them and God. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not up to me to, you know, judge them for their behavior. It's up to me to love them. Exactly. I mean, shit, I got to love Scott, right? <laughs> so before his death, Bennett Sr. had confided to the family lawyer, quote, he's my cross to bear. My wife love, loves him dearly, and I love my wife, and that's the only reason I put up with him, referring to oh. Junior. Yeah, so Dad knew before he died, uh, my yeah. kid's a fucking piece of shit. Early 1982, Cleveland Bub was approached by a guy asking if he wanted to uh, <laughs> split a bottle of vodka with him for 100 bucks. Yep, please? Cleveland Bub! It's going to say, please tell me that was a nickname. I'm guessing, but you know what? If I ever had another kid, which I can't, I would name him Cleveland Bub. No. This is my son, Jacob. This is my daughter, Cassie. And my other son, Cleveland Bub. See, I always said I wanted a daughter named Destiny, but that's, you know, because every guy could go home and say, Dad, I have a date with Destiny tonight. I wanted to name my kid either uh, Chastity Belt or Richard. Uh, for a girl. Why Richard? Glad that you asked, because a guy would have to love her a lot to say, I'm dating Richard, especially when I call her dick. He'd have to love her a lot to look at his friends. I'm going to pick up dick at her house. <laughs> it's going to be some serious true love right there. <laughs> she would get made fun of so bad. Yeah, mostly by me. <laughs> Dude. Look, don't be a dick. I feel God, so, you're not funny. I feel so bad for your grandkids when I'm you have sorry them. For my kids across the board because this is me. With not your kids. kids so much because you know what? They're adults now. But your grandkids when you have them? Oh, my God. I would not let you around them. So this dude that he described wore expensive clothes but was sloppily dressed and had a gold chain around his neck. Okay. They had a few drinks before heading off to the gay bar. Super duper paper trippers. Bub regained consciousness and discovered he was only wearing his pants and had cigarette burns on both his arms and his stomach. Okay. In, 19, in September of 82, Bennett was arrested for armed robbery and the murder of James Lee Johnson. The 24-year-old dishwasher had been shot and his wallet was missing. I know, weird, but we're going to get to more weird shit. The charges were dropped due to lack of evidence. Powell took his opportunity to file for divorce. Her, her opportunity. But the dad is already gone. Dad's already dead. But what is the mom still alive? Mom's still alive. Okay, thank yeah. you. That's I was trying but, to clarify but, here. But Bennett here has got a shit ton of cash. There's no reason yeah, it's for him to rob anybody. Yeah, not just that is that money buys you whatever. So during their divorce trial, she stated, "quote." He would hang around the house all day, and he would be in his robe uh, when he got home. When she got home? Yeah, when she got home. Sorry. Oh, when I got home. That's yeah. what it says. Okay, yeah. She continued to go to work, come home, and was expected to do all the cooking and cleaning while he gardened and painted landscapes all day. Three men testified during the trial that Bennett was the man who, quote, hustlers referred to as the handcuff man. 
Powell was awarded $40,000 a $40, settlement, and Bennett was ordered to pay $18,000 in uh, attorney fees. After the divorce, Bennett divided his time between his home in Tawanda and Florida. His homes uh, should have been plural, but okay. Where Jacksonville? His, no, I... Hundred forty, yes, probably. Anyway, that's where his mom was living. Was down in Florida. That's where all the old people like me go. We that go to Florida, Arizona, in Arizona. In 1983, Bennett was banned from a restaurant in a bar called the Gullis, who whose clientele were mostly gay. After a patron figured Bennett as some as someone who liked to pick up and hurt male prostitutes. Bennett signed a waiver stating that if he ever set foot on the property again, he would be arrested. In 1984, he picked up Myers Vaughn. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I wish that we could do the phonetics on this one. H-I-V-S-C-H-S-P-R-U-N-G. Okay, what? H-I-V-S-C-H-S-P-R-U-N-G. Hyvensprung? Yeah, I, I have don't a sprung. Know, dude. Ah, fucking German shit going on at a bus stop. Anyway, picked up this German sounding dude at a at a uh, bus stop. This German sounding. <laughs> Offering him a ride, Bennett told him, "I'm a profession at Georgia Tech. I'm doing a study about people drinking and their tolerance levels of it. I'll pay you a hundred dollars to drink whatever kind of liquor you want, Myers. If you'll, dr- uh, Myers, want to." Wait, wait, wait. Liquor, you want to okay, Myers. If if you'll drink it as quickly as you can, we'll go somewhere and you'll drink and then uh, walk. I'm all blurry, and I haven't even drank. <laughs> you'll drink and then walk. If you're if you're walking okay, you'll drink some more. Myers decided this seemed highly suspicious, and since there were uh, they they were near his uh, destination. He said he didn't want to earn any money that way and asked to be let out. And uh, he was let go, unharmed. Okay. So this right here tells me a little bit about the psychology of this piece of shit, Bennett. In that he's too chicken shit to attack anybody who isn't inebriated and drugged. Oh, yeah, because they'll fight back. <laughs> yeah, because then they're going to fight back. Yeah. This Bennett dude. I got that from the beginning. What a fucking yeah, like, I mean, that's why I said he's like Jeffrey fucking Dahmer, you so know? Bennett picked up a prostitute in 1985 going by the nickname Chico. Chico. And asked him to try a pair of handcuffs. He said no. Yeah, I was waiting for you. Dude, remember Coral? <laughs> and demanded to be let out. He was told no. Uh, it was then Chico noticed the door locked were missing and the handles covered in duct tape. He managed to climb out of the window of a moving vehicle and escape with minor injuries. Smart man, Chico. On, the, on a bright sunny day in April of 85, Max Schrader, a streetwise youth with tattoos on both his forearms, was on Ponce de Leon looking for a way to make some money when he spotted the potential source. Oh, yes. <laughs> A man with uh, had repeatedly driven around the block before pulling up to the curb and gesturing for him to approach. He told Schrader, uh, get a hard on for me. I'll drive around the block and then come back. 
You following? Okay. Yeah. Good. The man did exactly as he uh, as he was asked. Then Schrader would uh, then ask Schrader if if he would like to drink some vodka, and handed him a brown paper bag with bottle in it. <clears throat> I mixed some coke in it, is what he told him. Like cocaine, not Coca Cola. I knew that. Because okay. yeah. I got it. Okay. Schrader felt almost immediately woozy and then fell crumpled to the ground. Seriously, high level of drugs and vodka to achieve the level of virtual uh, unconsciousness. Yeah, and and some big ass fucking word that I'm not gonna intend. Intangibility. That's what I think she meant, but it's intangibleness. No, I think he meant intangibility. That's probably it. Anyway. <laughs> The man put... Or incapacitated. Could have been. <laughs> the man put him in the car and drove off. Uh, slipping in and out of consciousness, Schrader recalls being driven in, into a wooded area and his clothes being taken off. A cold liquid was poured over his genitalia. So, you know, his nuts and his pecker. I know what genitalia is, Scott. I've been around the block a time or two. Oh, yes, you have. Four. <laughs> Scott, you've been around the block so many times, your car has too many miles on it. Well, check this out. Then his genitals were set on fire. <gasps> so, my God, he, so he put, like, gas or alcohol on. Oh, ow! Mm-hmm. Oh. Helplessly, he lay there screaming as the attacker fled the scene. Luckily, someone heard the screams and called the cops. Schrader spent two months in the hospital in pain and heavily sedated. How did he party? He couldn't walk and had to wear gauze like a diaper during most of that time. He'd have to have a catheter. They, had, they would have to. Oh, my God. I'm in pain and I don't even have a penis. <laughs> you can go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. I was done. Right. Oh, my God. It's letting you freak out a little bit. I just can't believe. I'm in pain now. And oh, my God, no. Let me go get some lighter fluid. Oh, no. Let's do an experiment. No, with you. No, with you. <laughs> no. No, on dude, June, no. <laughs> on June 10th of 86, two friends, Michael Johnson and Anthony Papilia, were hanging out on Ponce de Leon between Goofy Golfer and the Pegasus. That's got to be in Florida. <laughs> no, I think that's Georgia. Really? Yeah. Because so. Ponce de Leon landed in Florida. <laughs> in Florida. Yeah. No, it could be in Florida. Florida. So a man called the Pompilia from the car, introducing himself as Jim, and asked if he wanted to earn 50 bucks by participating in an Emory University study on the effects of alcohol. Yeah, Emory University, that's Georgia. Oh, yeah. <coughs> but then it's like they're right across the border from each other. So. Yeah, they're right next to each other. They're Florida-Georgia line. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they're good singers, by the way. Yeah, they are. So Papilia told Jim to wait a minute and ran back to his friend. The two friends usually gave each other the license plate and description of guys who picked them up. <clears throat> and this time was no different. I was just say, that's a smart thing to do. It is. Mm -hmm. These are smart hookers right here. Yeah. Well, Papilia uh, told the man he was going to drink some alcohol for, uh, for this research. When he was told that, uh, this researcher then walked a straight line. Michael said, quote, you can do that if you want, but remember, you've got to be at work tomorrow at 7. That's what he's telling Papilia, his okay. friend is, right? 
He also warned his friend to be careful because there was a weirdo around attacking guys. He should have listened to his friend, by the way, but, you know, the offer of the money was too tempting. Yeah. They drove around for a while while Jim served him vodka. Eventually, Jim stopped behind the Texas Grilling Company bar and asked if he uh, would be more comfortable in a pair of shorts rather than his jeans and handed him a pair of cut-off shorts. Papilia agreed. <laughs> They're in Florida. <laughs> you can't argue with that. They weren't fighting trees, so <laughs> that's just true. saying. <laughs> but the cut-off jeans, yeah. So underneath the bar's emergency stairs, he changed into the shorts. The shorts didn't have any pockets, so... Uh, so he had to keep his wallet and other items in his own pants. Okay. The two men went into the bar and had a few drinks. Okay. Everything became a little fuzzy after that. Papilia does recall after leaving the bar that Jim seemed to want to get away from him. Was Bennett spooked by someone or something, you know, that could have occurred at the bar? That's a good question. Yeah. Like... I think the fuzz is going to be here, man. Book it down. Book it down before the fuzz gets hit. <laughs> For those of you that don't know that reference, let me let me tell you a story. This is from my dad. When my dad was first learning uh, to drive semis, um, he got into an accident with a one of those old conversion vans. And a black gentleman. In the <laughs> Chomo 70s. van. Shut up. Just say it. What no, this is it? like one of the ones that I have. Oh, like that oh nice okay, conversion yeah. vans. Not okay. a panel van. Well, it's a panel van, but it's a conversion van. Yeah. The ones that they painted like shit on the side and things. Black guy with a big afro gets out and goes, Man, book it down. Book it down before the fuzz gets here. And he took the fuck off <laughs> with his damaged van. Because, <laughs> well, you know, he was a pimp. Uh, book it down. Probably man, had a couple of. Fuzz gets here. <laughs> Bottom bitches in. Which that's why I love the Dirty Harry movies because every time that like Dirty Harry walks into like a black establishment, you always hear, "Oh look, man, it's the fuzz." <laughs> or um, uh, Starsky and Hutch. Oh yeah. <laughs> With, what's Hutch. his name? Um, oh my god, I can't remember the pimp's name in that movie. Huggy but. Bear. Yeah, Huggy Bear. Snoop Dogg played a good Huggy Bear. Just saying. It's a well, fire truck. Because I'm hot. Hot, hot. No. I, I was like, oh, they're after you. But no, that's a fire truck. I can usually tell the different sirens. <laughs> so, of course, Pompeo still needed his pants and his wallet from the car. He managed to get into the passenger seat, but was pushed out while the car was moving. He called out to the man carrying uh, the garbage can and uh, uh, that had just been that he'd just been mugged and and then he lost consciousness. He passed out. Wow. He was wearing only his underwear and had several abrasions and bruises. And later, his uh, had recall had a recollection on how he'd lost his shirt or the loner shorts. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> when, maybe they are because, you know, he's not wearing a shirt. So that's very Florida, Jacksonville-ish. Okay. Kind of see that. Jacksonville's not that far from the border. He's out there fighting trees. Yeah, okay. When he regained consciousness, there was three men standing over him. One asked him uh, where he lived. He gave his address and directions before passing out again. Okay. 
When Papilia woke, he was somehow in Dunkin' Donuts with two Atlanta police officers. I miss Dunkin' Donuts. Yep, I told you they were still in Georgia. He's there with two Atlanta yeah. police officers. Gotcha. They, but he didn't have a shirt on, so he's legal to fight trees in Florida. They asked if he could identify the man calling himself Jim, and he said, yep, I can do that. Okay. Um, it didn't take long as Jim was standing in the parking lot. <laughs> so basically, what? That motherfucker right Dude, there. Dude, that one guy who uh, fucking, fucking kept, su- who would steal shit, and uh, you covered him. He would fucking go in and steal shit out of the store and then go out and sell it in his car. Oh fuck! I can't remember what, God, the hell what was, it was his name. I'll figure Son it out. Of a bitch. He did that with like cigarettes and all yeah, kinds yeah, of yeah, shit. Yeah, I remember um, yeah. About. I'll I'll find his name here. So two men had heard what had happened and blocked him uh, with their vehicles uh, before he could get too far. One of them was a friend of Pompilia named Charles Faro. Okay. Fallow. F A L L O W. Fellow, Fallow had been mugged by Jim nine months prior. Speck. Yeah, Speck. That's right. The Queen Bee. <laughs> yeah. They had been drinking uh, together when the man uh, handcuffed Fallow, beat him, and robbed him. Somehow Bennett was still able to escape any form of justice. Shocker. Fucking shocker. They should have shot this cocksucker. Should have done more naps. Yeah, in the butthole. <laughs> in February of 91, Gary Clapp, he had the clap, was an unemployed carpenter, engaged to be married, and the father of, of a three-year-old daughter. He left his house in Massachusetts to, uh, in an attempt to look for work. Hoping for a free meal, Clapp waited outside the Salvation Army office in Tampa, Florida. Back in Florida. Florida. Then he took his shirt off and fought a tree. And the cop showed up and said, sir, you're perfectly in your right. That's that's same, same. Shirt off, fight tree, that's legal. Go ahead. <laughs> Carry on. Yes. Are you going to hump it too? Because that's fine. Go how's ahead. Your shirt, how's your shirts off? It's legal. Hump the tree, not the man. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> he was unaware the area was frequented by male prostitutes or that there was a, a predator in the area. While he waited, a man drove up with a white Lincoln Town car. The driver was thin, dark-haired, with a Fu-Manchu-style mustache and large gold-rimmed glasses. Oh, man, dude is Dude, he, like, pimped it out. Yeah. (laughs) In a Lincoln Continental, too. I bet you that he would have great pickup lines for lady, like, Hey, baby, that dress looks good. I bet you look even better crumpled up on my floor. (laughs) Dude, and then the Lincoln Continental, the only thing that would have made that better is if it were a fucking Cadillac. Oh, yes. <laughs> Gold you rims. Like the alphabet, baby, because I can ABC you in bed with me tonight. <laughs> I believe you still use that pickup line. Oh, my God, I should. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> so he offered 50 bucks uh, from, of course, a drink vodka as part of an experiment. Clark said he was well, uh, said that this guy was well spoken. He seemed. He seemed like he was on the up and up. I asked his name, but he wouldn't tell me. I, he got into the car and settled into the passenger seat where he accepted several shots of vodka from a plastic cup as they were, uh, 
as, as they conversed and kind of, you know, shared some cigarettes, had some smokes. Okay. The man had a notebook in which he jotted down notes. Clapp uh, was told he needed to drink faster. He started to lose consciousness and vaguely recalls maybe having visited a bar, but isn't really sure. And I got to admit, I've been there. I've been in drunken stupors. Dude, do you remember what you did last night? Um, I vaguely remember a bar and an octopus on my face. Bro, that wasn't an octopus. Her name was like Sherry. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that explains the cottage cheese on my lips. Anywho, you okay over there? No. <laughs> a police officer driving along Tampa's Courtney Campbell Causeway spotted... <coughs> Uh, an out-of-control bonfire uh, in a field that was nearby. Okay. He stopped to investigate. It was the burning body of Clapp. One of the firefighters on the scene, Nelson Garcia III, stated, I was surprised he lived. Wow. We really didn't think he was going to make it. Both Clapp's legs had been ha- had to be amputated above the knee. To make matters worse, his fiance left him. Clapp said, Things uh, fell apart when this happened. I don't know why the guy didn't just finish me off. This is not going to be easy. Yeah. So fucking almost burned to death, but lived. Yeah. Dude, I couldn't imagine. In May of 1991, a young man named Michael Jordan Jr. Shut up. I don't want to hear your goddamn basketball references. (laughs) No, because people have often said, because my son's two middle names are Jordan Michael. And people say all the time, oh, you named him after Michael Jordan. I'm like, no, he was just supposed to have the middle name Jordan. But then somebody said, because my favorite nephew at the time was, my, his name was Michael. Oh. So I named up, kind of gave him, you know, that name too, which probably shouldn't have because my, that nephew is now a felon. But whatever. Well, follow in your footsteps. Anyway, he was walking down the street in Atlanta when a man with a white Lincoln, uh, motion to him okay he noticed the tag on the car that said handcuff man no <laughs> pinellas county florida oh okay yeah that's down there where uh 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 clearwater you're right it says <laughs> as he was from florida himself he asked the stranger how you doing clearwater the man replied he was actually from saint pete okay and wanted to know if Jordan was interested in making $50. Jordan responded that it depended on what he uh, had to do to make the money. He was told that all he had to do was drink three pints. Sound easy, though. Enough, right? We're good to go. I could drink three pints. I mean, not knowing that it's, you know... Drugged. Drugged. Yeah. It's easy money. The driver pulled into a parking lot, and Jordan climbed into the car. Um... Uh, And he told the driver, quote, you've got a problem here. I come from a long line of alcoholics, and I'm going to be able to drink this with no problem. To which the man uh, responded, if you get a bit drunk, don't worry. I'll rent you a room, and you'll be all right. (laughs) Then asked Jordan to uh, to take out his penis and try to make it hard. Jordan complied. The man told told him that he was gonna he was gonna go to the store for some Coca Cola to mix with their drinks. See, not cocaine this time. 
gave him 20 bucks, which Jordan put in his shoe, and then sat down to await his return. The man did come back, gave Jordan another drink, and that was the last thing he remembered until waking up in the hospital in agony. Oh, my God. He has uh, severe burns all over his genitals, mm. butt, and legs. Jordan had been found naked and unconscious behind an Atlanta hotel. Wow. It was quite some time before he could be interviewed by the police due to either the agony or the sedation. I was going to say, yeah, he was probably kept sedated. Jordan explained that an additional fear of his, quote, uh, that was his additional fear, if I get an erection, it bleeds, and they don't know if I'm going to be normal again. Okay. So, Matthew, nicknamed Red Vernon. That's an awful hillbilly name right there. Matthew Red Vernon. Matthew Vernon, get on over here. Get on out of here. That's all one word, by the way. That is, that is. Mm-hmm. got to give me one moment, because we're going to have this interrupted for a second. Because I forgot to give you oh, your word of the day. Do you get those from somewhere else? You don't make them up yourself? Most of the time I think of them, and oh. then I have to jot them down. Did I give you inhale? Yes. Okay. Did I give you disease? No. Okay. Disease. D-I-S-E-A-S-E. Ready? Yes. The di- disease shoes really need to be in the middle of the floor. That one's good. You know why? Because I am notorious for kicking off my shoes in the middle of the floor at home. (laughs) Just saying. All righty. So let's talk about Matthew Red Burning. He told the police that on May 17th, he was picked up by a man driving a Lincoln Continental. The man gave him $20 for every pint of vodka he could drink. As they drove around, he realized who exactly it was who had picked him up. Uh, uh, Kind of one of those, like, oh, shit moments. Like, fuck me. Handcuff man got me. Yeah. He told the man he would drink the next half pint if he he gave the $20 right now. With the money in hand, he opened the door, jumped out, shouting, I know you. Uh, You're the handcuff man. Vern immediately... Uh, stuck his finger down his throat and vomited up the vodka. Smart, smart no guy. No shit, yo. You're going to get a thing about me adding an extension. Sorry. Thank you for actually telling me this time. Because yeah. I, just, I see that stuff and I get paranoid that we've been hacked. On, yeah, no. And I told you that security. one time. I said I have to add a bunch of extensions, but I think you forgot by the time I started doing it. Right, right. I, I get all paranoid. Yeah. And then I want to call John going, dude, lock everything down. I lock know. everything down. We need to, you know, yeah, no. top priority, the, the cybersecurity. Yeah, no. So Atlanta Journal-Constitution journalist Richard Greer, not Gear, stated <laughs> researching the attacks, a source helped pave the way for him to interview male prostitutes who had told him stories about a shadowy figure they call the handcuff man. Okay. He was incredulous when, he, when a bartender confirmed the stories and recalled seeing and hearing about them going back 20 years. Wow. In an off-the-record conversation with police officers, they revealed the handcuffed man was was very real and that they were baffled at why there was no active investigation. Yeah. 
Greer's previous attempt at publishing his story was squashed. <clears throat> but of course, of course, because everybody enables fucking people like this. Oh, yeah, totally. And we talked about this before, and this is what pisses me off. Mm-hmm. That justice for me is different than justice for, like, Clay. Or you me. Know, or you or anybody else. <laughs> yeah. It's based on income level, and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, well, let's not even, I mean, I always say it all the time, and I bring up fucking um, Robert Wagner. Is that his name? Yeah, Robert uh-huh. Wagner. Uh, Robert Blake, O.J. Simpson. Um, right. Two of those people are white, by yes. the way. Yes, exactly. And they got away with murder. And, and you know, you got O.J. who's very black. Very. You know. I mean, it, and Michael Jackson. Well, exactly. You know, and a lot of people say, it's because of white privilege. No, no, no. It's because of money. It's because of rich privilege. Yeah. Don't, pick, don't break this down to white, black, and white. It's the dollar. That's what determines totally. your innocence. Exactly. So, uh, where the hell was? Okay. They didn't. They did not accuse the police of sitting on their asses, though. That they were essentially. That's what they would had been doing all along. Mm-hmm. You know, in regards to these attacks. They omitted small details in order to prevent public uh, identification because there was no official documents linking Bennett to any of the attacks. Okay. Which makes sense, right? We can cover this shit up. At this point, the the, uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution had a great debate on their hands. They had a strict policy of not naming suspects in an ongoing investigation or cases. They turned out that, just in case they turned out to be innocent. Right. However... When does their moral responsibility to protect the public outweigh the individual's right to privacy? Especially when the suspect hasn't even been charged. The police released a statement saying that they were uh, starting an investigation. This is 20 years later, by the way. Right. When Jordan had uh, recovered enough to have been interviewed by the uh, police, he was unable to remember uh, how he had been assaulted. Okay. But was able to identify Bennett as the last person he'd been with. Okay, that makes sense. He had no problem picking out his picture in the lineup. Max Schrader was also able to identify Bennett saying, the reason I didn't forget this, I thought about it every day. Uh, yeah. It was then... The Atlanta Journal-Constitution decided they had no choice in naming Bennett as the handcuffed man. The public needed to know. By this time, they had 400 pages of documents linking Bennett to the crimes of the handcuffed man. We're talking, this is the newspaper that had this. Not the cop shop. The newspaper had 400 fucking pages Pointing of at research, this, huh? Of this douchebag. Dude, that Linking is... him directly to this. Yeah, that's <coughs> crazy, yo. Metro editor Pam, Pam Fines says, quote, If we got his name out, he wouldn't be telling police and the public we know uh, who the suspect is. Right. Oh, wait a minute. If we got his name out, we would be telling the police and the public uh, who the suspect is. We felt... Uh, heinous crimes were involved and we decided to name him because we, 
you know, knew who he was. Is what right. she meant. Uh, and we recognized that police had waited two decades to actively pursue this case. They were the only newspaper to name a suspect. Wow. The day after the story hit the stands, Tampa police requested all the information regarding Bennett from their Atlanta counterparts. Okay. Officers from Tampa brought in a photographic a photographic lineup and Clapp was instantly able to recognize his attacker. Right. Though it took him a moment to say anything. So, you know, kind of looked and took him over. He didn't like, that's him, by the way. Thought about right. It. I got, got it. that far away look. No, I was thinking. He couldn't believe they found him so quickly, and seeing his face again was shocking. Greer later said officers privately told him that the story naming Bennett uh, is what directly led to him being charged. Wow. Bennett, of course, was denied. Uh, he denied he was the handcuffed man. Yeah. Which, honestly, smart thing to do. Yeah, deny it. Deny, deny, deny. We tell people that all the time. He told reporters that Atlanta detectives uh, convinced prostitutes to identify him and, quote, I think the, quote, detectives, uh, detective wants desperately to put uh, his handcuffed man behind bars, and he thinks that I'm the person. That doesn't happen to be true. That's what he said. Okay, Bennett was freed on <laughs> three hundred. Sorry, when I get spanked. Shut up. Bennett was freed on three hundred thousand dollars bail and moved in with his disabled mother. In September, Bennett's family lawyer, this is Noti N O T T E, I guess that's his name, suggested an alternative killer in the Florida attack. He says witchcraft is definitely involved in this. Okay, you know what? Get better fucking lawyers, dudes. Like, for real. Yeah. You, you, you know, you could have a lawyer that charges a million dollars a minute, and he could be the best in the world. But if he walks into the courtroom and goes, I believe witchcraft is involved in this. Get the fuck out of here. No You're guilty. shit. You're guilty. Dude, yeah. Like, no. hold on. We're only 30 seconds into the truck. Guilty. Yeah. But you That's haven't like let me Satanism. guilty. Satanism. Yeah. Yeah. Satanic. No, dude. No. These are Satanists. Well, and the, the sad part part is is when it comes to when it comes to Satan satanic rituals and everything, you have the kids or whatever, the teenagers who are going through, you know, like rebelling. Right, which I I featured uh, uh yeah. some of those with the uh uh the, yeah, the sons of Satan or Satan Something like that. Yeah. I don't know what it was called. Yeah, I can't eat I can't remember either. I don't know, the nutsack of Satan. No, but um, but then you also have the serial killers who try to justify they don't kill because they worship Satan. They worship Satan because they kill. Correct. Yeah. So. So anywho, he goes on to say (laughs) and that there were uh, and that there were around the body decapitated chickens, decapitated goats, which which smack. Which, which smacks of the cult Santeria. I don't practice no, it Santeria. I ain't got no crystal ball. Know that one? No. Oh Actually, I don't know that one. Never mind. An overly simplified uh, definition of Santeria is that 
It's a cross between Roman Catholicism and West African religion of uh, Yoruba. I think that's how you pronounce it. The religion, the religion does practice animal sacrifices in one of its rituals, but there is no evidence. Only his lawyer's statement that this religion had anything to do with these assaults. Dude, that's just, yeah. His lawyer also requested a change of venue due to the level of public a publicity surrounding the case. The case and the motion was denied. 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 Stay, stay right there, you peckerhead. Yeah. In June of 91, Bennett appeared in the Atlanta courtroom uh, to waive uh, extradition to Florida. Okay. He complained that he had been denied breakfast and had to go five hours without a blanket, pillow, or cigarettes. Oh, my heart breaks for you. Hold on. Let me wipe this fucking tear you, from my Did eye. you get soggy Cheetos and a crushed cookie and I'm smashed sandwich? Did they not serve you shrimp and lobsters, too? Jesus Christ, what bastards. The, now, imported shrimp and lobsters. That's right. Oh, this poor man. This feels so bad for you. Fuck. Dickhead. Put a hot poker up his butthole. Please do. <laughs> and other prisoners also threatened him. That was his other complaint. <laughs> Nodi asked, that's his lawyer, asked the judge to have him uh, be separated from other prisoners, saying, quote, we're not asking for special favors. We just want to ensure his safety. He's under a tremendous amount of pressure at the jail. He's under constant harassment. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to laugh at that. Because that is just such a... Number one, it's it's Satan worship. It's Satan and witchcraft. Yeah, but not only that, what cracks me up about that is if he would have got it, he would have gotten protective custody, which means he can't come out of his cell but one hour a day. Because that's what they do. And then he wouldn't let me out of my cell but for one hour a day. I know. My (laughs) life is so rough, I'm a felon. (laughs) Before the trial, Clamp would give a deposition to the district attorney's office. Bennett, along with his lawyer, the prosecutor, and the court reporter were also present. One of Clapp's leg stumps began to bleed. What a great time. I, it's, it's shitty that's that it like, started to bleed. Yeah, that's like great timing, though. Yeah, but the timing. Yeah. Because when you can say something like that in court to, oh, totally. to, to outline the malice mm-hmm. and the hatred and this the torture... That's beautiful. That right yeah. there, that alone well, will yeah. fucking convince that jury totally. to say, kill him. Totally. 100%. Get a rope. <laughs> when Nodi, Bennett's lawyer, asked if he was okay, uh, did he need to delay the deposition? Bennett became angry. Nodi described Bennett as the coldest, most remorseless client I'd ever worked with. Okay. Initially, Bennett was determined to fight the charges. He spent $500,000 in his defense before changing his mind at the last moment. There was a parade of men willing to testify against him. The, uh, the Tampa, this must be Tampa. Jesus Christ, proofread this shit. The Tampa Fire Department had, a, had video evidence of Claps burning. They actually took a video when they showed up. Of him yeah, I got that. Um, there was no way he was going to evade a life sentence. And Nodi com- uh, commented, quote, in Florida, life means life. Oh, yeah. We could not take that chance. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's That's not, like Texas. Yes. Yeah, well, Texas, if they, they'll, they'll just kill you. Yeah. Life doesn't just mean life there. Life means death penalty <laughs> in Texas. Bennett agreed to a plea bargain struck between his lawyer and the prosecutors from Atlanta and Tampa. On February 24th of 92, uh, Bennett pled guilty to attempted murder of Gary Clapp and two accounts of aggravated assault in Atlanta. Okay. This plea bargain was highly criticized by the media. Gay activist and Gary Clapp, who protested uh, in front of the judge. Okay. The police stood, and Bennett was sentenced to 17 years for the murder charge and 17 years for aggravated assault. Both sentences uh, were to be served concurrently at the same time. For those of you that yeah, don't know. Yeah, no, that so pisses me off, it's, too. It's not 17 years plus, then yeah. another 17. It's 17 No, yeah, straight. I knew that, but I was a little irritated I'm irritated. I was irritated talking to my researcher about this, just getting pissed. Yeah, the but, concurrent thing pisses me off even more, though. Oh, but get this. Oh, God, no. Now, keep it in mind his financial status when I say this next part, okay? Okay. So it might seem like a lot of money. Keep in mind. Bennett was also ordered to pay $65,000 in restitution to the two Atlanta victims for their medical bills. How much? 65000 That's it? That's it. For two people and their fucking medical bills. They're going to be there for the life, their lifetime. They are yeah. going to have medical complications. Yeah. And he was also banned for life from Fulton County and ordered to see a psychiatrist. Oh, my heart's bleeding. His sentence uh, was to begin on March of 1992, March 9th of 92. Until then, he would remain on house arrest and only allowed to leave the premises to visit his lawyers. Surprisingly, you ready? He violated this order. He was spotted and followed by detectives who saw him and, quote, talking with some guy leaning in his car window. What was weird was it was about the same time of the day he met Gary Clapp there, right? The same place they, they followed him to. Right. It was almost a year to the date that they saw him do this. Bennett was sent to jail two weeks early. Wow. So. I just. The, this next part actually brings me a lot of joy. Okay, I'm waiting. Robert Lee Bennett died of a stroke on April 1st, April Fool's Day of 1998, one year before he was eligible to be released due to the early release policies. Epic April Fool's joke on him right there. April Fool's, bitch. Yeah. That part when she told me that brought me so much joy. telling you. That brought me a little joy too just now. In 1993, uh, before her death, uh, his mother set up a $1.5 million trust for his release. So he wouldn't get that money. Motherfucker's dead. Yeah. The, the money went to the Boy Scouts of America, the Historical Society, and the local hospital in town, which he grew up in. Final thoughts. I was happy about that one year before he could be released. Dude, that cracks me the fuck up. I love it. Ben's sentence feels like a slap in the face to his victims, which I agree. It does. He was likely going to be released after only serving seven years in total because of the early release program. Yeah. The $65,000 in restitution was a drop in the bucket 
for a man who was worth $1.5 million when he got released. That's the trust fund amount, yeah. right? Though we know nothing about the first two years of Bennett's life, nor uh, his generic family, his genetic family history. Right. Nature definitely plays a factor in this uh, not being changed with, you know, not played a factor in his not being charged with with it sooner or serving time for those uh, he was what for serving time for those he was I whatever. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, like, where's Waldo's search? I believe it was only by chance Bennett is not a serial killer. Yeah. He had no intention of some of his victims surviving. Like, the, you know, like Clap, he set on fire. Yeah. There was no intention of him surviving. Oh, none at all. I do wonder if. Or he, he could have cared less. Right. I do wonder if he would ha- ever have been charged if. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution hadn't felt it their moral responsibility to the public to name him as a suspect. Money, family legacy, and influence paved his way to getting away with these crimes for so long. Oh, totally. Totally. Uh, and it would have continu- he would have continued to uh, assault and perhaps even murder up until the time of his stroke. Oh, yeah. Why do you think Bennett committed these acts? Was it uh, typical gay basher mentality, strike uh, striking out against those who reflected his own denial, his own denied sexuality? Nope. No, I think it was just because he was a fucking dick. Yep. And knew he can get away with it. Yep. One hundred. One hundred. Go. Yo. No, I mean, no, I have no words. So thankfully, my researcher put in a PSA for me that I always say when we're talking about hookers. Final PSA. Remember, folks, prostitutes are people, too. Whether one agrees with their decisions or not, those decisions do not waive their basic rights as a human being. That's right. I don't care. I know. I know because our tech guy said that we need to start marketing that. But you need to. He goes, but you need to say it all the time. I go, "Uh, we do. (laughs) We say it all the time. Oh, yeah. We'll see. And we I was going to say that. Because when it came to the Grim Sleeper, Lonnie Davis Franklin Jr., right? He, um, if Christine Pelikowski, I think that were or Pelesky or something like that, I can't remember her name right offhand. That reporter hadn't have brought forth and you know been like, you know what? I don't believe that he's you know stopped and blah blah blah. And you need to do something. It doesn't matter that these women are prostitutes. I do not believe that LAPD would have done shit about him. I agree. I believe that Franklin Jr. would be out today. Well, he would, probably would have died still, but still. Right. I, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, that's. Yeah, because they put more effort into the damn uh, Golden State Killer case because they were all affluent people in higher neighborhoods. You know, uh, exactly. And shit. And yeah, no, I that's what it boils down to. And I don't believe anything would have been done in this case because a the guy was affluent. The perpetrator was affluent. And B, it was against male prostitutes. Yeah, especially. Yeah, especially in that time frame. Yeah. So I've got nothing left on this guy. I'm no, just, dude, I am. I was, I was so disgusted. So I was so tickled, though, that he died. I know. A year. I was going to say like, that. I can just see up. him sitting there going, one more year, and I'm going to get parole. they got 1.5 waiting for me when I get out. Life's not too bad. Woo, I can't wait for that. 
Why don't I feel good? Stroke! <laughs> Why does my head... Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Or you know what would have been better? Is if they were sitting there having a conversation and all of a sudden started slurring his words, his face started drooping, and he didn't know what the fuck was going on? Yeah. I would like it if he would have had a stroke, lived, and been non-communicative. Oh, that would have been hilarious. I'm sorry. I don't wish that upon a lot of people, but this certain guy. instances, yeah, this guy that here. would have been fucking hilarious. Knowing that you can have all that money, but knowing that you can't do shit. That's right, buddy. You still got to be in jail. Yep. Just, just a prison of your <laughs> yeah. own mind. That's right. Oh, my God. Yes. Could you imagine? All right, I'm going to wrap this one up. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the Patreon page and help a brother out. Anything helps, and it helps out the show quite a bit. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs, just type in at Brutal Nation. We'll pop right up. You get the full story, none of my bullshit, which, hey, for some of you, you might be sitting there going, that's great because we don't like Scott because he says the word fuck a lot. Which, I say that all the time. Yeah, great. but I don't from have you, to it's different. To Scott. That's fantastic. And apparently, you don't have to use mic dynamics since it's pointing at your fucking arm, your Sorry. eyeball. Sorry. So there you go. There's a lot of things you don't have to do, huh? I don't know why I moved it, but I moved it. I I just said I was sorry, bitch. I'll forgive you. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. We will see you guys manana. Bye. Bye.